city, boy. We'll find it. It ain't nothing but the biggest river in the state. These are the men. Nothing very unusual about them. Suburban guys like you or your neighbor. Nothing very unusual about them until they decided to spend one weekend canoeing down the Kahulawasee River. Ed Gentry, he runs an art service. Wife Martha has a boy, Dee. Lewis Medlock has real estate interests. Talks about resettling in New Zealand or Uruguay. Drew Ballinger, he's sales supervisor for a soft drink company. Bobby Tripp, bachelor, insurance and mutual funds. Will you go in? All right, I'm looking. These are the men who decided not to play golf that weekend. Instead, they sought the river. We're watching us right now. We ain't gonna be so nice and hard to follow dragging a corpse. film of James Dickey's explosive best-selling novel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. And I am joined once again by my good friend, Mr. Chase Austin. Hello. And Chase and I were talking about the 1972 classic Deliverance. It is uh, a lot to unpack. It is a lot to unpack. Now, Ch- have you seen this movie before, Chase? I take it that you have. I, I saw it back in high school. It, it oh. had been a while, but I didn't see it back then. In high school? It wasn't for a class project or something, was it? No, no, just, you know, regular high school theater. <laughs> That's the kind of movie we talked about, so. This is 1971, uh, 72, hmm. starring John Voight and Burt Reynolds and Ronnie Cox and Ned Beatty. It's one of those movies where it's a constant reference, such as if you ever get lost in the woods or something, this is the, it's like, oh, this is like deliverance. It, it, yeah. It, uh, and then the, the dueling banjo song is pretty iconic. You yes. Know, um, specifically for, uh, you know, hillbilly uh, city or hillbilly towns and stuff like that and getting lost. 
Well, the thing was, actually, they never got lost in this movie. They always knew where they were. No, but they, they just... really, yeah. No, they, they knew exactly where they were. I mean, like he said, the, the river is only going one way. For those of you who don't know, uh, Deliverance is about these four city guys who go out for, they're going whitewater rafting or canoeing. They run into these hillbillies who, shall we say, molest them in one way or well, another. I think it's further than that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So, um, so these city men have to revert to being mountain men uh, to survive. Well, they say that the Ned Beatty, what was his character's name? I forget what his character's name was, but he he was a insurance salesman, right? Yeah. And then uh, Bobby. Then I don't remember what the other guys were, but really it, it did seem like only um, Burt Reynolds, Lewis, like he was the only one who... Seemed like he was comfortable out there. Right. I what I thought you know, was like, like he had he had done this uh, because Ned Beatty, Ronnie Cox and John Voight all play schlubby businessmen. And Burt Reynolds yeah. plays a man, man. So he sort of stood out. I was thinking in real life. Would would he actually be friends with those three guys? I could see how those three guys might want to be friends with him. Yeah, because for sure. He's a, because he's a tough guy and all that. But would he really be friends with those three guys? Would they really uh, hang out in the same you know, in the I, same world? It depends. It depends on on. You know, I mean, I don't know about the, the 70s as much, but, you know, you know, the high school quarterback guy, he's not going to only hang out with sports guys forever because they don't necessarily stay all around. So wherever he is, he's going to he's going like you said, he's going to attract friends that are betas like that. So yes. like, I feel like no, whether or not he is as good of friends with them as they are to him, you know what I mean? I mean, like, he is very alpha the whole, you know, well, until certain things happen, but he, uh, this this whole trip is his idea. This is what he wants to do, and he's dragging them along, and, you know, it's not the first time that he's dragged at least uh, uh, Ed, John Voight's character, along with him, you know, like like he mentions that. And, uh, you know, he, and he, it's, it's always him convincing them that this is a good time. Or this is what they want to be doing. This is the game. This is, you know, this is what real life is. And, you know, the whole uh, city life is just is fake and it's, you know, tearing everything apart. And it's the end of end of life as we know it is because of, you know, progress like that. So this movie is the equivalent of the term keeping it real. We're, you know, we're going out into the wilderness where it's real, where men are men and it's real. And this was the movie that made uh, Charles Bronson a uh, a mega worldwide star. This because up to up to now, Burt Reynolds. I'm sorry, what? Burt Reynolds. You said Charles Bronson. Oh, I did. Damn. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Same same podcast. (laughs) Same podcast. Yes, this was the movie that made Burt Reynolds a household name, not, not not such a nationwide, but a worldwide star. This is what catapulted him into his superstar well this was yeah because up till then he had mostly tv right this was like his first yeah he had uh three failed tv shows Mm. before this and that's why they were able to get him he was looking for something meatier to get into the movies and up until then i think he played like he actually played indians in movies not extras but like they cast him as indians so this was this was the first movie where he could really show off his acting chops so to speak. Mm-hmm. And was now was he a stuntman too before he got into the the main part of acting or or was yes. that Yes. Um, yes, okay. he did do stunts. And actually, I was going to say he does his own stunts in this movie, 
but they all the actors do, do their yeah. own stunts in this movie. Yeah, they they had to because it was so low budget, and and the uh, the director doesn't didn't believe in insurance. I don't think he didn't believe in it. I don't think he could afford it because yeah. the, John Borman, who was the director, he mm-hmm. had, the the studio kept cutting and cutting and cutting the cutting the budget. So this has to go, and this has to go. If you look at some of the scenes where they're going down the rapids, it looks pretty dangerous. The movie is basically through the whole. It, the movie is about hour 45 minutes long a majority of it is just these four guys and i i remembered it being way longer and i think that uh the first time you watch it it feels longer because it doesn't you know it's 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 rough you know even though i mean there's there's only like four major events in in the film or whatever but they feel uh a lot they stick with you a lot more but I, I think I, I read that like um, Ned Beatty was like the only one who really knew how to or who had any like rafting experience. And, you know, he was playing the one with the least, the least amount. And I, he, I know he almost died. Burt Reynolds, they wanted him to go down that waterfall like he did. And they threw a dummy down first and the dummy didn't work. So yeah. they threw him down and then he broke his coccyx. Yeah. And then the director was like, he was like, how did it look? And the director goes, looks like you threw a dummy down, <laughs> down the waterfall. I mean, there's not much you can really act as you're falling down a waterfall. So Burt Reynolds was a man's man because he wanted to do his own stunts. Uh-huh. He, he wanted to do those. And he ended up, like you said, he ended up getting, I think all of them got hurt at one point or another to different degrees. But doing this movie, it does not look safe what they're doing. You know, no, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't look safe at all. Even when there's a couple of scenes where Burt Reynolds is recklessly driving backwards through these woods. It's like that. And that's him doing it. That looked dangerous right there. When you shoot something fake and you set it up, it looks more impressive, but it's not quite as like dangerous. Like, you know, if you were out there in those rapids, it, you know, they're way over your head. It's, you know, you'll break your neck just going down without a, you know, without a boat, uh, without not in a canoe or whatever also still see their faces and everything which really you know adds to the effect that it's not stuntmen and like you know back then they couldn't do composite face stuff or anything like that so it it does add to the realism i think no yeah this was well before cgi yeah and it does you clearly see their faces and you can clearly see that there's fear on their faces that i don't think they were acting in a couple of spots it was like, oh, we we could really get hurt or or worse. <laughs> well, I, yeah, Ned Beatty like literally said, he goes, I thought I was going to die. And my first thought was, how's John going to finish this movie? And my th- second thought was, oh, he'll figure out a way. <laughs> a lot of this movie is them going down the rapid. Not, yeah. not a lot happens in this movie. So to reiterate your point, when something poignant does happen, it really stands out. You have this normalcy of these guys just camping and then something just horrific happens. It just boldly stands out because there's really, I mean, going into this movie, there, there's no real setup that there's danger. And then, you know, they're just camping and all of a sudden they see these rednecks and then, and then bam, that's when the movie takes off, so to speak. The biggest thing before that is Ed, um, John Voight, like he's, he goes off on his own to hunt and misses. Like, like that's the most exciting exciting thing that really happens before they go meet those rednecks 
Right. There's a scene where John Voight's going to shoot a deer with a bow and arrow. I'm not an act, but the, the quivering of the hand, it, to that I, I don't have that was it's a one bit of, much it's a bit much it looks yeah it looked like something out of a, the loaded gun where Samuel L. Jackson's trying to shoot and he can't it was it looked yeah. like a parody of somebody I mean, not being able to shoot yeah because at first like I thought you know I was like so is it is it that he's choking because that's what it is is that he's choking yeah like he's freezing up and it, he's it causes freezing him up. to shake but what it looks more like is is that he's like struggling to hold it back like he's too weak. And even then, it's like, I mean, his his whole face, you know, because you got to pull it right up to your face and he's shaking his whole face real, real bad. So, like, it's a little a little much. But, you know, with something that is that small, it, you know, doesn't necessarily read well on film to to like freeze and not be able to let go without doing something physically. But, yeah, it does. It does. It, this doesn't read quite the same either. Right. That's a good point you just made. It doesn't look like he can't shoot the deer. It looks like he's terrified of the deer. Yeah. And like the deer ain't coming at him. Yeah. The deer ain't. You don't have to worry about the deer. No. And yeah. And I. I it. It does um, parallel like the earlier because like when they're they're sitting on the boat going down and and uh, Burt Reynolds is on. Uh, fishing bow fishing or whatever it's a very big contrast with that however you know shooting a fish is a lot a lot less than shooting a, a deer you know so yeah so i guess we can just get into it because that, well there's the famous there's the famous dueling banjo scene i love the way you wear that hat you understood me uh, I want to get some drivers to drive this car and that car down to Aintree drivers you understand you might get a driver brothers but who a driver brothers where do they live they live back over that way
genetic deficiencies. Not pitiful. With uh, Ronnie Cox and this, I guess something we should mention is there's not many extras, but there's a couple of extras in the film, and those are just all real mountain people. Yeah. Up, up in the movie shot in Georgia, so those were just real, real mountain people. And the kid who plays the banjo, he's there's something wrong. He has Down syndrome, maybe not Down syndrome, but there, there's something clearly physically wrong with him. If you if you've seen the movie or if you've seen pictures, you know what I'm talking about. It might be like a fetal alcohol syndrome or or something where it, it was a, it's definitely a developmental uh, thing. Yes. But from what the director told me, it was just it was just a uh, physical. He was not mentally incapable. Yeah, he, yeah. he was a he was an extremely smart young man from from what the director said. But they just cast him for his look. And he couldn't play banjo. So when he's playing the banjo, that's there's another arm. There's a kid behind him, like an old uh, SCTV sketch where these where the two arms, they're not his when he's playing the banjo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, what was it? substitute arms it, 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 improv or whatever. Right. Yeah. The arms. Picture, experts, yeah, the yeah. Other person, yeah. And so up until that, there's no buildup of danger in this movie. In my opinion, it's it just happens all of a sudden. I mean, you get a, a hillbilly vibe from these guys, but you yeah. don't really sense any danger from them. And especially after the banjo well, playing. The most danger you feel is like the the challenge uh, while they're driving in the, you know, the trucks and stuff. And like the way that they would be uh, antagonizing Burt Reynolds, where like he's into it. You know, it's very it's very, you know, pissing contest of, oh, you know, you're a city boy. Uh, driving the truck and like they they drive back by him and they you know yell at him and stuff like that but it's not it it seems fun in games where somebody might get hurt if you're like you know as the adult you're like guys this is how people get hurt right but it's right. not yeah it's not um nefarious it's running with scissors oh also i did want to mention um about the 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 good the banjo kid he is actually uh, i learned what we did um Big Fish on my on our podcast, on Bryce and I's podcast, The Movie Gap, which if you haven't listened, go check it out. It's also on Cross the Streams Media. Uh, yes, uh, both our Big podcasts are on Cross the Stream Media. So check out check out that website. I'll put the link in the description. Yeah, so uh, that kid is in Big Fish. When when uh, Ed, uh, Ewan McGregor's character goes into the town of Spectre for the first time, at this point, he is an old man and he is playing the same dueling banjo song on the front porch of an old uh building just like this you know and they got the same guy and, and if you look up if you look up his imdb he is best known for big fish and then this is his number two which like how is that possible that is not that is impossible yeah yeah so yeah so what happens is ned Beatty and john Voigt get separated from burt reynolds and ronnie cox they're wandering around in the woods and they come across these two rednecks who come down, and at first, they're annoyed. At first, Ned Beatty and John Voigt think there is no danger here. It's just like, oh, there's yeah. a couple of locals. And they start talking to him, and as they talk to him, they realize, oh, we may be in trouble. And it escalates to, yeah, it escalates to one of the most famous talk-about scenes in film history. They know that they don't want them there pretty much immediately. I mean, it, and it starts out like it seemed like they were hiding and then pretty fast. They're not like pretty those the, the hillbillies come onto them 
uh, like come up to him immediately, you know, because they have the the shotgun, yeah. and um, and so like where they got when they got separated, were they just ahead of Burt Reynolds? I, I guess I think you're right. I think they were just ahead of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, they didn't get lost. They got they just got ahead of them. Yeah, and because I, I, they were looking for a place to to camp for the night or whatever, or, or else they were pulled over to wait for him after they got through the rapids. But yeah, those guys that came at him. And like Ed, uh, what's his name? John Voigt, like is trying to talk to him and reason with him and like kind of just give him whatever they want. And he keeps talking. And the more he talks, the more angry they get the moonshine or whatever, which is probably what they're out there doing, you know, and uh, then he realizes that upsets him. And then and then it gets to a point where it's like scary mm-hmm. and it turns pretty fast. It turns fast and slow. So what the rednecks do is they tie a belt around John Voigt's, uh, John Voigt's neck and secure him mm-hmm. to a tree. And then they have Ned Beatty stripped down to his underwear. Then one of the rednecks starts chasing Ned Beatty through the woods and starts tugging at his underwear and pulling his underwear down. And I would have, in 1972, that this would have to be, well, it's shocking nowadays, but in 72, just to see a scene like that where... A, a man is about to rape another man. And it's it's done in that like it's you're you're not right up in it, but you're watching the whole thing, you know, and they move across the whole frame up the hill and they fall down the hill and he gets them over the log. And like it doesn't really cut away. And when it does, it, it just is reaction shots or whatever. But like you are you are watching this event. Right. Like you're not in the event, but you're forced to watch it. And it feels uh, like more upsetting in that way. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's not as a visceral of a like you're afraid for yourself when you're watching it is like you're just like this shouldn't be happening. You know? Yes. It's very voyeuristic the way the scene is shot, because mm-hmm. most scenes I, just to say, most rape, she, most rape scenes are shot from the view of the rapist that's sort of the point of view you get in movies or from the victim here it's just totally you're you're totally a third person watching ned Beatty run for his life and watching this guy chase after him yeah it's very off-putting because the way it's shot is you want to do something to help but you can't you're helpless you're helpless to help uh i mean uh john voigt's tied to the tree by his neck and he's being held at gunpoint. Yeah. You know, like there's nothing he can do. Nothing. He's just waiting for it to happen to him next. Like he knows that it's, this is not a good situation. No. And I just want to say, so this was Ned Beatty's first film. This was his first film. And it's like, okay, Ned, you're going to have to risk your life going down these rapids in a canoe. And so to do this scene in your first movie, he was an actor, he did stages, but your first movie ever to do this scene in is, oh, and this stuck with him for the rest of his life. Yeah. For the rest of his life, people would just come up to him and squeal like a pig, squeal like a pig. Well, and I think that like, you know, even in the, the movie, it seems like his character sort of gets over it a little faster than, I think anybody would, you know, I mean, yeah. towards the end, it, it shows up, but like, you know, he, he does snap out of it a bit more. It, it, it turns out being, uh, 
who's the one that has that has the the mental freak out over the whole situation more than him. I guess he's, I mean, he's very much in shock. You know, I mean, he's in shock before he even gets raped. He can't like, he doesn't really fight back. He, he can't, you know, he just like starts doing what he says almost, you know, and, and he tries to get away a little bit. And then the more he like slips and falls, like the, the more just fetal position he goes in, you know, like it, it, as the, as the character. So it's really just, it's very upsetting to watch. Yeah, and this is just like a little weird thing. It's like Ned Beatty is just in his underwear rolling around in the woods. That's That's got to be painful in itself. Just all rocks and twigs and yeah. all that stuff on your bare body. You're, you know, you're naked except for your junk. Just doing that, just running around in bare feet in the woods is going gonna, is gonna to hurt and cut up your feet. This, that whole scene, just from an acting, putting yourself in the character point of view, I give, I give Ned Beatty all the credit in the world after that. Yeah, he said, like, we're not doing this again <laughs> after they got done. He's like, I'm, you got that take and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he, he all, literally almost died. He got sucked into a, a whirlpool uh, in the rapids and got pulled out. Had no problem shooting those scenes more than once. But this scene, he was like, nope, that's it. I'm yeah. done. And I can I can totally understand that. Yeah, for sure. Could you do if you got cast in a movie to do a scene like that, Chase? Do you think you could do it? I mean, it would it would depend on the movie. It would have to be a yeah, that's true. Good movie. There's nothing worse than watching a, a horrible B movie where you see these actors humiliate themselves, and it's like, oh no. Don't yeah. don't humiliate yourself for Hooker Zombies Four. Something where it's just like bad shooting conditions and nobody's like you're not getting any money for it and it's not going to do anything for your career. But, you know, and, and I think uh, 100% when I was, you know, in my 20s or whatever, I would have absolutely done anything mm-hmm. because that's what I wanted to do, you know. But now that I'm, uh, you know, I have a career and and like I'm not actively chasing acting, um, I don't th- I think I would think a lot harder before I would do a movie and, and something like like that. You know what I mean? Not that well, anybody's knocking down my door to, to right. cast me in, in anything, uh, rape scene or not. So, but it paid off. I mean, Ned Beatty was a character actor for the rest of his life, and and this brought him in contact with Burt Reynolds. He became a regular in Burt Reynolds movies. The guy rapes Ned Beatty, he's done, and then we go back to John Voight. And now, and now we get the uh, first we heard squeal like a pig, and now we get the other famous line in the movie. He sure does have a pretty mouth. So yeah. that's the other famous line. Oh, yeah, my uh, my other favorite line that he says is, "You ever have someone cut your balls off?" It's like, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> that is that's a weird thing to ask. <laughs> like, I don't know that that's as much scary as is like, wait, what? What? Say that again. <laughs> that's a, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> So the other is that guy, a rhetorical question. Yeah, a rhetorical. <laughs> so the other guy is about to rape John Voight, and this is when Burt Reynolds and Ronnie Cox show up, and Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. puts an arrow through one of the hillbillies, and so he puts an arrow through one of the hillbillies, and the other hillbilly takes off, and this is where we have one of the big centerpieces. This is the big. This is the big acting job. Uh, not that they weren't acting, but this is where all of them, especially Burt Reynolds, has a chance to shine with his acting about what to do with the body. What to do. You know, they've just killed a man. Yeah. You take this man down out of the mountains and turn him over to the sheriff, there's going to be a trial, all right. 
Trial by jury. So what? We killed him, Andrew. Shot him in the back. A mountain man. A cracker. It gives us something to consider. All right. Consider it. We're listening. Shit, all these people are related. But goddamned if I want to come back up here and stand trial with this man's aunt and his uncle. Maybe his mom and his daddy sitting in the jury box. What do you think, Bobby? How about you, Ed? I don't know. I really don't know. Now, you listen, Lewis. I don't know what you got in mind. But if you try to conceal this body, you're setting yourself up for a murder charge. Now, that much law, I do know. This ain't one of your fucking games. You killed somebody. There he is. I see him, Drew. That's right, I killed somebody. But you're wrong if you don't see this as a game. Lewis. Are you listening, Ed? Damn it, we can get out of this thing without any questions asked. We get connected up with that body and the law. This thing's gonna be hanging over us the rest of our lives. We gotta get rid of that guy. Just how are you gonna do that, Lewis? Where? Anywhere. You know, Burt Reynolds has made up his mind. John Voight is like trying to think through it logically. Drew is um what's uh what's that actor's name? Ronnie Cox. Uh, he, Ronnie Cox. He uh I mean he's freaking out, and then uh Ned Beatty is frozen, absolutely frozen, you know, considering every and like and nobody it's it's very um you know, telling of like the, the masculinity of it all is that like they just they don't mention what happened. They just get like, get, get put your clothes on. Like we're going to nobody saw nothing happened. We're not worried about that. We got to get these guys, though. Like, let's take care of that. You know what I mean? Like it was uh, nobody says, are you guys OK? Or anything like after this guy got raped, brutally raped. You know? Yes. And it's just like we just got to move on. Got to move on from it. It's, but like, so he's putting himself together as much as he can, but he's still pretty frozen on it. It's that classic masculinity where just move on, just tuck it, whatever happened to you, just tuck it down. And for, for a man to be raped by another man is, is one of the most humiliating things in a person's life. And, and like you said, just to try to just, that never happened, just to tuck it down, just to put it away immediately it's just something that i don't you you can't do without damaging yourself psychologically i mean you're yeah. damaged psychologically from it happening and putting that on top of it you're really hurting yourself yeah in the situation that they are in stuck out on this river and everything like that you you got to put it away immediately for then i mean because yeah. you gotta get you gotta get out you gotta get back you're right, you're uh, right especially about that. now that there's you know the other guys so like i mean you can't it's not like we could all they couldn't, you know, start a fire and, and sit around and like talk about processing it. Like this is not the place to process the emotions right now. You know, the best thing you could do is to try and just move on until we get to 
a safe place because it's not safe right now. You but know, it's so really like, I mean, weird. You're still in the danger, even if they're even if at that point they don't really think of themselves as still being in danger. But it's really weird that Roddy Cox freaks out. I I, uh-huh. I would think like you, like it would be Ned Beatty freaking out. You know, slap him. You know, pull yourself together. We got to get out of here. Uh, this is really an ethical dilemma for Roddy Cox, that character. He's trying to convince everybody to go to the go to the sheriff, tell him what happened. And Burt Reynolds is just like, if we do that, these rednecks are going to string us up. You know, we're in this podunk little town and we killed one of their own. You think they're going to listen to us? And like, you know, as yeah, as we find out later, he's 100 percent right. 100 percent correct. (laughs) 100 percent, like almost to the T of exactly what they said. He's somebody's somebody's brother in law and we just killed him. And then that person's on the jury with their grandma. Absolutely, because they're, they they imply that there's a lot of inbreeding in this backwoods mm. little country, too. So, yes, yeah, so everybody knows everybody. Everybody's related to everybody, literally. Uh, yeah, I mean, with, without that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of city that you can literally the government can be like, well, we're just going to wash this city away. You all got to move. Nobody there. That's important. There's nothing. They were not. So supplying anything to the outside world nobody was giving making any money off of them so so they decide to bury this redneck and i must say this the guy who plays the redneck he gets shot with an arrow his death scene is awesome his death scene is awesome and he it, there is a i've always heard there's an art to playing a dead person in a movie and this guy nailed it because i you don't see him yeah. move you don't see him blink because his eyes are open but he's also uh-huh. in the scene where everybody's talking. So, th- so this guy has to play dead around these four actors giving monologues and stay incredibly still. And, like, and he's like laying up on the tree with his face all like smushed, like, and, and there's drool coming out, and he's just laying there for yeah. God knows how long that took. It took all day, I'm sure. I mean, there's so many angles, so many takes. Like he, he was there all day. Yeah, it's yeah, you're right. It's not like he was lying on the ground. He was in this awkward position in these trees. Yeah. And hats off to the hillbilly rapist dead guy. What we haven't said is they're going to they're going to build a dam there. So eventually all this place where they're where they're at is going to be underwater. Yeah, so, which is like the whole reason that that uh, Lewis wanted to come down there is that he wanted to, to ride this river one time before it goes away. So he's like, we'll bury him, and then pretty soon he'll, his his grave will be under tons and tons of water. Yeah, nobody nobody thinks about what's buried under uh, a lake. Yes, that's like one of his lines. Yeah, just ask Jimmy Hoffa. I don't <laughs> I don't know if that's where Jimmy Hoffa's at or not. But... <laughs> uh, not a lot of lakes. Well, I guess there are probably some lakes. <laughs> he's Maybe. just in a gar- he, he was just in a in a trunk of a car. Yeah, in in a garbage dump. Yeah. <laughs> So they finally convince Ronnie Cox to do. Ronnie Cox is the one holding out. He's telling everybody we shouldn't. And then, but like, like you said, Burt Reynolds is the alpha male. He convinces all the betas, do what I say, and that's what happens. I mean, yeah, because the most that um, that uh, Beatty's character Bobby, the most that he's able to do is when he kind of snaps out of it, he just goes and starts attacking the dead body. So like, he's ready to do whatever. Yeah, he he. This guy psych psyche is just shot so I'm, whatever he want, whatever they want to do bad to this guy 
he's in for it. Yes. And then Ned, um, John Voight, uh, Ed, he's the one who's kind of like the deciding vote, if you will, uh, on that. And he's like trying to weigh his his uh, the options on it, you know, and think logically about it. But then also he's he's Lewis's friend and Lewis knows how to talk to him. And that's what that's what he does. And, and you know, they yell at him, you know, this isn't part of the game. And then and then that's when uh, um, Lewis is like, yeah, this is exactly the game. This is all the game I've been talking about. You know, this is this is what we came down here for to make these kind of decisions, to do this kind of thing. This is this is survival. That's the whole point of this this trip, you know. So. Uh, so, yeah, he eventually goes on with it and uh, they begrudgingly get uh, uh, what's his name? Ronnie Cox to do it as well. Yeah. So they bury this guy and they start heading downstream to get out. So Ronnie Cox. He falls out of the canoe while they're going. And Burt Reynolds claims that he was shot by the other hillbilly. But you don't hear a shot. It looks well, like he just jumped out of the canoe. But even before that, like, he's he's frozen. Because I thought, you know, because like I said, it had been a long time since I'd seen this, almost 20 years. And he uh, he won't put on his life jacket, but he's also not responding to anything anybody's saying so i and like he's not paddling he's just standing there again with his eyes open so like i don't know that he's dead but i don't know that he wasn't dead either you know what i mean it's a yeah it's a very ambivalent scene shot you know is he just was he just shocked from what he did and decided to jump out of the canoe and kill himself or did he get shot and like the only thing that i could think of as to like the best evidence that he was shot is that they did find a mark on him you know like they didn't that's why they decided to put him under his because not even they could tell if he was shot or not yeah um but if it wasn't if he hadn't have been shot burt reynolds saying the guy's up there shooting us then when they you know when he goes up there where the guy is up there so like clearly it, it it's very plausible that that's what it was however the guy had a shotgun and that was not close. Shotguns are not super act, super uh, effective at that kind of distance. So, I don't right. Know. Yeah. It wasn't a sniper rifle or anything. Yeah. It was a two no. gauge barrel shotgun. Ronnie Cox either jumps overboard or gets shot. And then that's when all hell breaks loose. The canoe hits the rapids. All four of them are now out in the water going down the rapids. They split. Yeah. They split one of the canoes and the other one capsizes. Yes, they lose a canoe. They have a they have a metal canoe and a wood canoe. So the wood canoe splinters and then the other one capsized. So they're all going down the rapids. And this is where Burt Reynolds in real life broke his tailbone going down yeah. the rapids. But he well, in real life, he breaks his tailbone. But in the movie, he breaks his leg. And they finally get through the rapids. They hoist Burt Reynolds out of the water into this crevice. And there's a bone sticking out of his leg. Which is, uh, the director said it was just like a a, a lamb bone. A lamb, yeah. But it looked it looked incredibly real and incredibly just disturbing. Yeah, because it, it was coming out like, and if you really look at it, you can kind of see that it literally is just a hole in his pants, and they just have it stick it out. Right, like it's kind of it kind of bunches, but he's all wet, so you can't really tell what's water, what's not. But like that, just like the loose, 
like skin and stuff that's hanging off out of the pocket or out of the hole itself. And you're just like, I don't, I don't want to look at it to yeah. know if it's real or not. It's real gross. It is. Like it you, is. You, whatever, whatever it is, you're like, that's, that's a real bone. And I could tell, and I don't like it. <laughs> it was a simple effect that worked beautifully that no, no yeah. over the top CGI to make it. Like, it was just a simple effect that, that looked great. Yeah, you didn't have to pay Tom Savini to go out there and and do like <laughs> professional grade makeup and and everything. They're just like, just stick a lamb bone in his pocket; it'll look great. And they're like, yeah, the way he shot it is, is good. And then Burt Reynolds, you know, uh, he really acts hurt. You know, like it the the tough guy act is the way he tries to stay tough, but like is uh, yeah, basically crying. I mean, because he's got his bones sticking out yeah. of him. You know, like it it it's real. Yeah, so at this point of the movie, Burt Reynolds is incapacitated. He can't do anything for the rest of the movie. They realize that they're, or they, at that point, they think there's somebody up there shooting. So John Voight has to climb a mountain to go up to find the hillbilly that's shooting at him. Yeah, in the middle, they, he has to climb it at night so that the guy won't see him. And it's Plus really him. It's down. really him climbing the yeah. move, uh, climbing the movie, climbing the mountain. It's uh, very clearly not really night. the The day for night effect does not hold up very well. No, uh, the day for night does not. I've never seen an effective day for night shot. I've seen more effective. Yes, uh, you know, and, and, and non digitally like this. Like, I mean, this is one hundred. I mean, this is so far before digital, but uh, which even digitally it looks worse. Anytime that. You start playing with with lights and darks and stuff and and try to make things really dark. You just lose all uh, definition and everything. So you can still see everything, which is which is nice. But the the way that the the lens uh, has that uh, softer focus around the edges, it gets real kind of trippy with the with the way that they they tint it, you know? Yeah, it looks more like a dream sequence. Yeah. Than 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 day for night. night. Well, John Voight gets up to the top. And there is a hillbilly up. And, and once it, so then we get the we get the same shot of how John Voigt couldn't shoot the deer. It happens mm-hmm. again with the hillbilly. However, this time the hillbilly's coming at him with a shotgun. So the the so the shaking and all that, it fits more here because yes, now your life is really in danger. You have to yeah. you you have you have to shoot this guy or he's gonna shoot you. And John Voight shoots, uh, they both shoot at the same time. In a really awkward scene, John Voight shoots him. We don't see what happens right away. And the guy unloads his shotgun, which makes John Voight roll over on his arrows. So he pierces yeah. his own side with an arrow from, from his quill. And it was, I was a bit confused at first. I'm like, wait a minute. Did he, did he did ricochet he the arrow? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His quill is not even really a quill. It's part of the bow. So yes. I don't know how it fell out and, and got it. It's, it's the blocking is not great for that. But to be fair, you, you were on the side of a mountain. I don't know how much he, I guess they worked with what they, what they had. Well, um, and, and the angles that it, it would, the angles that, that you would have to shoot to get that wouldn't line up and you couldn't get the camera there. I mean, they, they had that camera going up and down the side of that mountain uh, with him. You know what I mean? Like him climbing it up, it's not all from far away. I mean, they had that camera right up next to him on a lot of those shots. So it wasn't like they, they didn't try whatever they got. However, they shot that scene was just the best they could do. Yeah. They did the best they could with what they had. 
And it turns out that Voight got him in the neck with the arrow. And I guess it's supposed to be, once again, it's a more ambivalent scene. Was this the same guy? Was this the same guy that tried to rape him earlier? And it's never... It is. It it, it is. And uh, I mean, you can tell by looking at the the credits, but um, it also is like because he immediately thinks this isn't the same guy. And then he goes over and and touches his mouth and the the front teeth are flippers. So like this guy has gone home and gotten his his dentures, but it's the same guy. He doesn't have the his teeth are all out. And like that's that's when he's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, that this isn't some other guy that we've just killed. But these are self-defense kills but i mean the 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 rednecks in the town aren't going to see it that way but even if this wasn't the same guy he was perfectly in his right to kill him because he was going to shoot him with a shotgun so yeah with with no questions asked the guy was was looking to shoot them yeah you know like it was not if even if this wasn't the same guy this was a guy that that guy told you know what i mean like he was out there to kill these guys and then when he saw him he pulled his gun up and was going to shoot him because, you know, John Voight, I mean, John Voight was pointing an arrow at him, but like, you know, I don't know. I, I still think it was, it was justified. I, I think that that guy was out there to kill him because I think it was the same guy. So John Voight lowers the body down the side of the mountain and he follows down the side of the mountain. They weigh the body down with rocks, put him at the bottom of the river and they head out again in one canoe. So they have Burt Reynolds in the canoe John Voight and Ned Beatty are paddling. So here's Burt Reynolds. Here's a guy. He's got bones sticking out of his leg. And they're going down these rapids and getting banged from side to side with these rocks. So Burt Reynolds has to act like he's in pain every time they hit a rock. And I thought he did a great job with that. I really believe that he was in agony going down that river. I've done river rafting or rapids like that in, um, like the big inflatable rafts yes, and I've done it in a a metal canoe. And even though I didn't have a leg, a bone sticking out of my leg and I wasn't laying on the bottom of it, it still don't feel good when you hit those rapids (laughs) because those things have no give. Like when you're going down in the inflatable thing, it's kind of fun and you're bouncing, but like that thing, I mean, you're, you're, you're hurting your butt, you're hurting your feet. Like you're hitting your sides on everything. It's, it's not, I don't suggest it. I mean, if you if that's your thing, more power to you. I, I'll take the the raft any day. I don't suggest breaking your own leg and then going <laughs> yeah. down the rapids in a metal canoe. That's just me. Yeah, I, but I'm just saying I don't think it it takes that much acting. If you're getting your head noshed around on that that thing, he probably is actually getting hurt every time it bounces. So, so while they're going down the rapids, they come in contact with Ronnie Cox's body, which is another example of great dead acting. Yes, uh, because evidently Ronnie Cox was double jointed. Mm-hmm. So he was able to put his arm behind his head and make it look. It looks yeah. convincing. You're like, man, that is a great dummy because his face looks so real. It is because it is his face. But like that arm bent that way, it just ooh. and he's yeah. stuck up in that tree in just the right way. And they get, you know, from both angles, it's just, it's, he's, he looks dead. They give him a little funeral before they sink his body to the bottom. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they sank his body. If they're going to go with the fact that they had an accident on the, an accident on the river. Well, um, they, they, they sink his body because he got shot. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Was he shot? (laughs) 
What about here? What about right there? Could have been a rock. What are you gonna do with Drew? If a, if a bullet made this, there are people who can tell. Oh, God. There's no end to it. If his body showed up with a bullet hole in it, then they'd be like, who shot him? And they're like, well, it wasn't us. Then it was these other people. And then they're like, oh, so where are those people? And then that's when we get into the thing. So that's why they had to get rid of his body. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right. That's why they did it. And they say a little prayer. He says he'll take care of his family. And they sink him to the bottom. And like you said, good dead acting because he keeps his arm behind his head until he's submerged under the water. <laughs> yeah, it said something that he had to like, he practiced uh, holding his breath for his like, uh, like so he, he kept working on holding his breath for as long as he could so they could keep getting these long takes of him being dead. Mm-hmm. And like, he doesn't breathe, man. He's good. No, they make it back to civilization. And this is what another thing I liked about that movie because most movies are, you don't see the aftermath. Uh, people yeah. always make jokes like you see a horror movie where this guy kills all his possessed friends and that's where the movie ends. Well, what happens after that when he has to explain to the police? Yes, I had to kill all my friends with a chainsaw, but they were possessed by the devil. Yeah, even like Texas Chainsaw, the, the final girl, you know, she gets away, but like she's covered in blood and she walks into town screaming like there's maniacs in this other thing. Like, whoa. And what happens to her? Is she ever going to be OK again? Yeah. Like, But we get to see that movie. in this movie. John Voight walks back to where they left their cars and they get an ambulance and they take Burt Reynolds to the hospital. And then the sheriff and the sheriff, the guy who played the sheriff was the guy who wrote James Dickey. I believe it is. Yeah. He was the guy who wrote the book deliverance. He, he actually showed up on set on one of the first days uh, drunk and <laughs> started fighting uh, the director, like fist fighting the director because he was changing all the lines from his book. And apparently they uh, made amends or whatever and then became really good friends. And then he put them in the movie still. Yeah. And then like they stayed friends after it. But yeah, he showed up to, like the first day of shooting drunk off his ass and got very mad <laughs> and had to be taken off set. Apparently, the the author of Deliverance said all the things that happened in the book happened to me, and that turned out to be bullshit. Apparently, this guy was one of the one of the biggest storytellers out there. Claimed to be a bomber in the Korean War. That wasn't true. So he was one of these guys that uh, that lied about his background. All kind of like that 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 uh, that Oprah Winfrey book, the the million little pieces or whatever. Oh yeah, that, million little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. That all turned out to be fake. And uh, didn't how Stella got her groove back? Wasn't that turned out to be there's something about that book, too, that turned out to be fake or not? Or not. Oh, I didn't I didn't even know that was the book. I just knew about that movie. Yeah, it was a book. I There was some controversy around that that book as well. And but then anyway. uh, Chuck Barris, Chuck Barris, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chuck, uh, 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 the unauthorized autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Confessions yeah. of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah. Yeah, claimed to be Which a CIA we, agent. We also covered that film on uh, the movie Gap, so check it out. Yes, that is a very good film. Uh, Sam Rockwell is excellent as Chuck Barris in that movie. So now they have to answer the questions. They have to answer the sheriff questions and all that. And 
their story oh, yeah, before and before the uh before they they got out of the water even they uh you know uh Voight was like this is where everything happened you know because after they after they sink Stu or whatever his name was uh Ronnie Cox after they sink his body they go down a bunch more rapids and then end up where every, where all the water is now gathering because they've dammed the end of the river where they're getting out right and he's like this is where it all happened you know this is where what's uh, we lost to he died this is where our you know other canoe broke apart uh you didn't get raped like everything else didn't happen and everything happened right here uh and that's the story that we have to sell or else they're going to go looking up a river you know and um yeah and then then we we go into what you're about to talk about and the sheriff starts questioning on them and then immediately their story starts to fall apart and they go back and then John Voigt thinks that Ned Beatty is selling him out to the sheriff at one point because he sees him talking to the sheriff by himself. And then they have to get in touch with Burt Reynolds. It's like, well, we had to change these aspects of our story. So, uh, you know, but they can't really talk to him because there's a guard in his room. I don't know why there's a yeah. guard in his room. It's an open investigation. And yeah. it's, the, the sheriff wants it to be over. Like the sheriff is not out to get them. Yeah. He's ready to just like close the book on it, let them go and, and drown the whole city without all this controversy, you know, and but it's it's just like Burt Reynolds said, the the people they killed were relatives of these people in this town and they want justice because they're like, there ain't no way that these guys are telling the same story when they went out there and they, you know, didn't all come back and all that stuff. And they found the they found the half of the boat too upstream. Yeah, they uh, found the canoe they in, the wrong, in the wrong spot. Finally, the sheriff is just like, just get out of here. Just yeah. go. Oh, yeah. Well, and Burt Reynolds, when he does come to enough, and he's like, we told him, the, we had to change our story. The Burt Reynolds just goes, I told him. I don't remember anything that happened after. Like, I just don't remember anything. I hit my head. I don't remember anything. So then they're like, oh, shit, we got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> That'll sell the story. And, and we see and Ned Beatty at Ned Beatty and John, you know, he's like, uh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to see you guys for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How come y'all really end up full of life jackets? Didn't we have an extra one? No. Drew wasn't wearing his. Well, how come he... He wasn't wearing it. I don't know. Don't ever do nothing like this again. Don't come back up here. You don't have to worry about that, Sheriff. I'd kind of like to see this town die peaceful. I hope Deputy Queen finds his brother-in-law. Oh, he'll come in drunk probably.
Goodbye, Ian. Bye, Bobby. I don't think I'll see you for a while. You probably won't ever go see them again. Yeah, they're probably <laughs> they're probably not going to hang out with each other ever again. Um, no. Especially and, if he's trying to just bury the fact in, in his own mind, even that he got raped. It's probably like, yeah, we'll just never talk again. That's well, that's it, he blatantly going back to when they're going to bury the guy who raped him. Ned Beatty that says, you know what? I don't want this getting around. Well, who's good? <laughs> yeah, that was his first thought. And, and, and I can as a man in the 70s, I, my first thought is I don't want anybody to know that I was sodomized by another man. And I mean, even his, today, like that's oh, even today, that, yeah. that's what they talk about. Yeah. Even today, like there's there's more unreported male rapes that that occur than than uh, unreported, you know, female rapes, because even when a when a female is raped, it's it's traumatizing and they don't want to come forward, you know, or they they might convince themselves that they weren't they weren't victimized or they were it was, you know, on purpose or, you know, whatever. And the same thing goes through a guy's head. It's just even more shameful you know like that's that you're looked the upon the stigma you're looked upon is. as weak you mm-hmm. let another man do that to you what kind of yeah, weak you man you, it's you it's sh- a really killed him yeah yeah it's a really fucked up yeah. way people think about rape male rape in this society or you know yeah. rape in general but then there so we see john Voigt back at home with his wife and something that struck me and we're going to bring up your podcast one more time is we see at the we see a hand come out of the river at the end of the movie. Yeah. And John Voigt pops up in bed. And then we go back to the picture. And then after he pops up in bed, we go back to the picture of the Placid Lake. That is almost the exact end of Friday the 13th. Yeah. And uh and Carrie. And yeah. we, we did Friday the 13th on your podcast. We did. Uh, how have you yeah? So check that out. Chase does usually does a podcast with our friend Bryce. Bryce could not be with us because we usually do our podcast together. Uh, Bryce could not do this. We're recording this right around Thanksgiving, and Bryce is away on uh, and on family stuff. So I'm doing it here with Chase. Oh yeah. Uh, but the movie gap. Check out the movie gap. I'm going to put the link in the description. It's a it's a it's a great podcast, and Chase and Bryce have great chemistry together. And we've had you on several yes. times, uh, mainly for uh, movies that came out in 1980. 1980 <laughs> that was yeah. the uh, that was the, the the original through line for your uh, appearances. Yes, um, but we've had some other ones as well. We've got one and, lined uh, up. Yeah. As soon as we can, as soon as we can work it out, we're going to do Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Yeah, which I'm, I'm excited about. That. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a good one. But and uh, that's you know, it. That's the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. We, these hit, guys are are never going to be the same. These guys are never, never be even the same. really, and we don't even like you know how you talked about like it, it gets all tied up uh, nicely where we get to see the the after effects. Well, the only one that we see is Voight, and he's having nightmares about it some amount of time later. But like we don't know if Bruce, uh, Burt Reynolds lost his leg or not. Yes, it's hinted, what uh, yeah, it's hinted that uh, Burt Reynolds may have to have his leg amputated. Yeah. In the book, like the guy had to lose, he lost both of his legs or something. And they talk about it because they, you know, there's more, uh, more of the after story in, in the book as, you know, epilogues would have. Uh, there's also more before story. You were talking about the author getting in a fight with the director. 
And one of the things that mm -hmm. the author was upset about is in the book, we see these guys in the city. We see them in their city lives before they come out to the country. And that's unnecessary for, for the film. We, we see voiceover, and this is one of the first times. We see the Warner Brothers logo, but we see voiceover under the Warner Brothers logo. We, see, we hear them yeah. talking, which... I don't think that wasn't, a, a, you know, that wasn't a common thing back then either. We hear them before we, we hear them before we see them. We actually hear them and before we see anybody. We're just seeing the Warner's the, Brother, Warner Brother logo. It's pretty, it's pretty cool the way that like, you know, especially for a film in, in the, the early 70s like that to not have, I mean, there's still credits. Uh, Star Wars was the first uh, movie to not have opening credits. But there's no music. It's them talking and them driving. And it's, you know, it's all it's all uh, recorded dial. It's voiceover, but not in the not like studio style. Let me tell you about when my friends went camping. It's them having a conversation in the car, but we're not in that car. You know what I mean? And then we I don't think there's any music until they get out of the car and they start doing the dueling banjo. No, there isn't. And because then, we talked about the budget. One of the things that got yeah. cut was the orchestra was the music. And. As you said, that is an excellent way to give out exposition. They're yeah. talking about it in the car. It, they're not explaining it to somebody. They're, you know, they don't show up at a cabin and say, well, we're here to do this. It's just four guys talking about the trip that they're taking. So it was an yeah. excellent, excellent way to get all that, all that city stuff that was in the book. Excellent way to get it out, knock it out in less than a minute with these characters. And then the, the fact that like the first thing we hear is that the first music we hear is that dueling banjos. And then that becomes the score throughout the whole yeah. movie after that, which is like such a jaunty little tune, you yeah. know? And it's, it's, it's like the, you know, it, it almost would fit uh, perfectly in, in, uh, you know, cannonball run as like the, the chase sequence music. Oh and yeah. Like, this is like, we're going, we're dying down rapids and getting raped. And that's the underscore. Well, of that. Like, it's very, um, you know the jarring. yeah it is but it's like certain songs are connect you hear a song and it's like oh that reminds me of this or you hear a song and that reminds me of that <laughs> whenever you hear dueling banjos it <laughs> it's like sir whoever wrote it it's like we're gonna make your song famous <laughs> but it's always going to be associated with male hillbilly rape. Are you okay yeah. with that? And it's like, yeah, as long as it, as long as it goes to number as one on the charts. Yeah, as long as I get paid. <laughs> as long as I get paid, fine. You said you hadn't seen this movie in twenty years. What did, yeah. did you like the reviewing? Does the movie hold up? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. There, there's so much more that I um, appreciated with the 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 cinematography of it this time, yeah. uh, and just like like the the one of the things that that they did and it's definitely because of of budget is um sound was different you know like there's a lot of stuff that should have sound and it was done in post but like when they're like digging and stuff like that the foley work is not like super in uh intensive to where like you hear them digging a lot it's kind of almost silent them digging through like you hear them talking and things falling or like you'll hear them move a log but like the sound of them like digging that hole is very very quiet like while they're trying to be quiet too and there's things like that where where all you really hear is just like the sound of nature with uh, around them you know and it's it's very haunting 
in in that aspect. And then just the 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 shots in in that digging scene were so cool because that's one of the the few times that you get real up close and personal with them because there's a lot of voyeuristic shots like we talked about um and the the stuff up on the mountain uh color you know um day for night aside uh is is really uh neat too where he drops the picture of his wife and kid and and all that stuff i mean there's just a lot in this movie that uh you know when i wasn't having my my poor little mind all twisted with the idea of hillbilly rape <laughs> um i could really get into the film a little bit more without just being like oh this is awful it's a yeah. it's a very juxtaposition yeah because it's shot very beautifully and uh, and all this beautiful imagery is for this horrifying story that these four men are going going through uh so it's really it's a really not it it's it's a horror movie set on a beautiful day yeah because this really is a horror but this is sort of a this is i could say like maybe a horror slasher movie it could be kind of uh maybe not slasher but um psychological horror this is a good movie but it doesn't you don't want to rewatch it that often you'll go to it every every once in a yeah. while but you know sometimes well, i watch this movie every year this is not one of those movies not saying it ain't great but this is not one of them movies and that's funny because uh, my wife like loves this movie and there's like she you know she loves movies we watch movies all the time but she always gets on me that i don't rewatch movies enough like she wants to just watch movies over and over and over again and like before we got together she would just like have goodfellas on all day every day <laughs> and, like you know that was one of her favorites or you know jaws that but she said that that this is a, a movie like titanic where she just watches like the first half she's like once they start doing all the rapid stuff i'm out but all that stuff like the hillbilly rape she's into it she thinks <laughs> that is so scary and that's great but then she's like and then after that it's it's all boy stuff and i was like i don't know but i will say that uh this movie you know i you know if it didn't come out before um uh, my time in the scouts i would have uh wanted to sue because this this whole movie basically happened to me for that year i was in the boy scouts um more or less uh i i had a miserable experience with the boy scouts and this all had that flooding back to me of just like cold rapids and camping outside and not pooping for a week and you know uh less anal rape uh, that's all i gotta say about the scouts is there was less anal rape so that should be their logo <laughs> the boy, <laughs> the scouts, boy scouts less anal less rape. anal less anal rape than deliverance <laughs> All right, so that's going to be another episode. As I mentioned before, uh, Chase does a podcast with our friend Bryce, The Movie Gap. Uh, give us a little info on that, Chase. Yeah, so uh, Bryce, the uh, other half of the podcast, he is uh, someone who, unlike me, has seen basically no movies uh, up until we started doing the podcast. And so every week we we pick a movie, usually uh, a pretty big one uh, that, you know, he's that is part of his movie gap and we, we fill it, we watch the movie and then we talk about it for, uh, you know, an hour, hour and a half, uh, with a lot of, uh, inappropriate jokes thrown in. Um, it becomes a vehicle for us to talk about, uh, you know, whatever dicks come to our mind. So, um, and, and as, a as Chase said, I have been on that podcast several times. I always have a good time. Yes, and like I said, hopefully we'll be getting a Harley Davidson, The Marlboro Man. We'll be we'll be knocking that one out and getting that out 
Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, we're, we're recording this around Thanksgiving. Uh, so hopefully that that'll happen early next year. We can for sure. That. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to check out um, Scott's episodes, they were uh, the blues brothers airplane um, Friday the 13th, like we mentioned. And I think you've done a, a couple other ones um, that I can't uh, remember now. Cause it was when we did uh, the, uh, when we did Cannibal Run, we also recorded one, too. And I can't remember what movie that was. Yes. And if you want to check out uh, Chase and Bryce on this podcast, they did the original Death Wish and Cannibal Run. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. So uh, check that out. Uh, we are. It's the movie Gap. Uh, our logo looks like the blockbuster insignia. And you can find all of our episodes anywhere you find podcasts or at cross the streams media.com and there's a lot of great podcasts on that as well a lot of our friends here do great podcasts so i would highly recommend go to cross the streams media.com and once again i will put that link in the description below and uh, that's it this has been another episode of the burt reynolds and charles bronson podcast i want to thank my guest chase for coming here and doing this with me and well, thank we'll you s- for having me hey always a pleasure i always enjoy talking to you and, and bryce when he's here and uh <laughs> I, well here, here this is what you missed from bryce wow uh ned Beatty, like I, he he was real fat before he did dick tracy you know what maybe we should do less with bryce then and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see everybody here next time on the burt reynolds and charles bronson podcast thanks for listening to support this podcast please go to www.patreon.com slash scott white and give what you're able If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Don't you have any other movies? You don't like it? No, it's fine. It's just that we keep watching it over and over. Every time we come back to your place, we watch the same movie. Oh, it's just it's my favorite movie. You know, oh, wait, it's my favorite scene coming up. Hold on, I'm going to turn it up a bit. We're going to make you squeal like a pig, ain't we both? We're going to make this fella squeal like a pig. Squeal like a pig. Here, let me rewind that bit. I'll, we'll just watch that part again. We're going to make you squeal like a pig, ain't we both? We're going to make this fella squeal like a pig. Squeal like a pig. You don't want to see it again? Are you trying to tell me something? What are you talking about? We're just watching a movie. No, no, we're not just watching a movie. We're watching one movie over and over. No, in fact, we're watching one scene over and over. And I'm not sure if you're trying to tell me something. What? We're going to make you squeal like a pig, ain't we, Bo? We're going to make this fella squeal like a pig. Squeal like a pig. What is it that you like about that scene? I like that it's well written. I mean, uh... It's a very famous scene, and it's famous because of its writing. Just out of curiosity, are there any other scenes from any other movies that you consider to be exceptionally well-written? The butter scene from Last Tango in Paris. The writing in that is just extraordinary. Ah, well, it's pretty obvious to me what you like about both these scenes. Well, I like that they're both well-written. No, I don't think that's it. What do these scenes have in common? Nothing. Nothing! Nothing! I mean, the one film's about a journey of self-discovery through the wilderness, and the other film is about a man trying to cope with the death of his wife in Paris. No. What are the actors in these scenes doing in common? Breathing life into great writing? No! (laughs) What sexual act 
are these characters performing? Look, are you heading somewhere with this? Because I really just don't see it. I just... They're both having anal sex. Wow. I can't believe that's all you see when you watch that scene. I can't... I mean, my... The anal sex is pretty incidental. Incidental? Yes, incidental. I mean, obviously, you just don't appreciate fine cinema. That's oh. obviously what the problem is. Oh, well, is. then I guess I should go. Yeah, maybe you should go. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you should go. But please, feel free to call me if you should ever learn anything at all about film, okay? You know, maybe you might want to read uh, Kenneth Turlong's film Semiotics or Dale Steeb's Ass Masters of the Silver Screen. <laughs> Freak. Film buff. Butt freak. Film buff. Butt freak. Film buff. Freak. Film buff. Man, why is it so hard to find a woman that appreciates film? Cross the streams. This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.